it is totally possible to have the right call from God and go about it in the wrong way. Right call, wrong way. I don't know what God has given you to do in this season of your life. Is there work to do or people to serve or help or deals to close or prayers to say? But whatever it is, God has called you or me to do this thing. And often, with our limited vision, we have some clarity about that. But when God gives you or me this call, whatever it is, he may have in mind one way of going about it, and we have in mind another way. It's as if we have the right job title, but we didn't read God's job description. (laughs) We kind of skimmed some of the parts and started doing the call in our own way. I've had uh, two careers in my life, and in, in both of them I've experienced this. In my, in my first career editing, I worked on a journal for pastors, which reached at any one time, this was back when magazines and journals were a thing, um, more than a quarter of all the clergy in America. And so I thought, this is great. I love working with words, and as an editor, I can make a bit of a name for myself. Let's do this thing. And what I discovered is that as an editor, you're like a basketball ref. I mean, yeah, you help the game go on, but nobody bought a ticket to come see you. (laughs) Yeah, and so it took me a while to learn that this calling I had been given, like so many callings, is mostly behind the scenes, largely unnoticed, day in and day out, actually somewhat unglamorous. It's mostly about helping other people succeed. And so while I was still hoping to get some spillover attention through it, I was in the right calling, but I was going about it in the wrong way. And then I moved from uh, publishing work to pastoral work, where all the motives are rare and purified. (laughs) And you know what I've discovered is you can pastor for a whole lot of reasons. Yeah. You can do it because you want to help people follow Jesus. Uh, And you can also do it because you want the numbers to go up because that will validate you and your own ego needs. Thank you very much. Still the right call, but the wrong way to go about it. Well, this dynamic of right call, wrong way can come into every call that God issues, including his call on your life. And so we need to look honestly at this because this is a dynamic that is fairly easy for us to see within others, but not so easy to always recognize when it's happening in ourselves. And so tonight, I want to just help us all make sure that as we go about our callings, we'll do it in the way that God actually intends us to, and not only have the right call, but be doing it in the right way. So uh, we're going to look tonight at what I think is the best possible case study we could consider, which is the story of Peter. Peter's life is in a trilogy. Uh, It's kind of a story told in three films. So here you go. Film number one for Peter is getting the right call. I was going to call it a new hope, but then, yeah. Okay, (laughs) Peter's calling emerges actually rather quickly. He is the first person that Jesus says, come follow me. Number one. 
And then when Jesus forms his group of 12 from within the crowd that has begun to follow him, Peter is not only on the team of 12, but every time they list out who's on the team, his name is always first. And then when Jesus says, I need just a handful of people, the closest in on a few occasions, and I'm going I'm to just at some time select only three out of the 12, Peter's in one of those three. And so Peter gets to be there the afternoon that Jesus says to the body of a dead girl, little girl, I say to you, get up. And she opens her eyes, swings her feet over the bed, and stands up. And Peter sees that. And so it's not really that surprising that Peter is the first of the disciples to figure this out, that with all Jesus is doing here, He's really got to be God's chosen one. And so one day he tells Jesus, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. It's all clear to me now. And in response, Jesus gives Peter his call. In fact, he gives this burly fisherman one of the most astonishing calls and commissions ever given to anyone, ever entrusted. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, and I tell you that you are Peter. Meaning, now I'm nicknaming you Rocky. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, loosed in heaven. Peter, your call is to lead. You will hold the keys. You will be given a unique authority to lead my people. How did your call start to become clear to you? Or at least, as clear as it is so far, did somebody say, I see this in you? Did you try something and suddenly you felt like you were in the zone? Did maybe suffering cascaded into your life and now a part of your call is to help other people who are suffering in similar ways? Or maybe economic necessity redirected you and now you're kind of glad it did. But however it came to you or me, for Peter and for each one of us, following Jesus begins with his call. And film number one is getting the right call, and Peter does. But film number two is doing that right call in the wrong way. Now as I describe this, see if you've ever noticed anyone doing something similar. Right after Jesus gives Peter his call, he says this, he began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, meaning everybody in this society whose opinions matter, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter th thinks to himself, wait, 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 Jesus, you're our leader, and part of being God's leader is not only God's blessing and anointing but his protecting and not only that every leader is shielded by their followers right i mean peter's got a point he's he's got some natural leadership gifts don't we all during a war want to make sure that our president would be safe somewhere in a secure location like ukraine is protecting president Zelensky right now so peter has to correct jesus with his crazy talk about suffering and if anybody's going to confront Jesus, it might as well be Peter, a natural leader, who, by the way, was just handed keys. 
And so Peter takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. And he says, never, Lord. That's never going to happen to you. And Jesus turns and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me right now. Because the way you're thinking is not the way God thinks. It's just human. Yeah, Peter's leading. He has the right call. But he's not yet doing it in the right way. All right. Second scene in this movie. It's Thursday night at the Passover dinner. Jesus' final one with his friends. And he, he picks up the cup of wine and says, This cup is my blood. It's poured out as a sacrifice for you. And here's the very next thing that happens. They began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Now, Peter's a leader. So he knows, look, for any group to function, you got to know who's in charge. There have to be clear lines of authority. That's leading 101. And if anybody's going to lead this group, it has to be me. Now, I have four brothers, so I can easily imagine this conversation. <laughs> Peter's like, I'm the only one he called rock. And everybody else is like, and you're the only one he called Satan. And then Peter's like, and I'm the only one who walked on water. And they're like, and you're the only one who almost drowned. <laughs> so, so they're getting nowhere. <laughs> Peter's leading. He's in the right call, but he's doing it in the wrong way. All right, last scene, one last example. Later that same evening, Peter, being a gifted leader, knows you may walk softly, but you carry a big stick if you're going to be a leader. You have to have strength. There have to be shows of strength. This, is, this point is made really well in the, in the Boba Fett series, which, uh, which I really loved. And uh, so late Thursday evening, when Judas shows up at the garden with soldiers carrying torches and weapons, Peter knows what he has to do. He is not afraid. He pulls out his sword, and he strikes the high priest's servant, Malchus, and cuts off his right ear. Now, let's be clear. Peter's not going for his ear. He's going for a mortal stroke right to the head. Like Stuart Briscoe once said, he wants mal on one side and cuss on the other. <laughs> if nobody else is going to fight back to protect Jesus, he is a leader, and he will. But Jesus commands Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father's given me? And once again, Peter has the right call, but the wrong way of going about it. And the last words he hears before Jesus dies is, put your sword away. Now, at this point, for Jesus, Peter is what HR would call a problem employee. <laughs> and when you have a problem employee, there's really only three options. You can retrain, you can reposition, or you can replace. Right? Retrain, reposition, replace. And I don't know what Jesus is thinking, but I'd be looking at replace. Which brings us to film number three of the trilogy, learning to do the right call in the right way. To everyone's surprise, including Peter's, Jesus says, I am not replacing you. Did you know that one of the first visits that the resurrected Jesus has with anyone is one-on-one -on -one with Peter? When the angel announces, he's not here, he's risen, go and tell his disciples, including Peter. Because Peter's including himself out. He's excluding himself. And Jesus says, no, 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 he's still my guy. I'm just going to retrain. 
And for Peter, this retraining happens in our gospel reading tonight, a couple weeks after Jesus has risen from the dead. Simon Peter, always the leader, says, I'm going fishing. And six other guys go, yep, me too. And while there, they see on the shore this figure in the dawn light, and it turns out to be Jesus, and he, he cooks them breakfast there on the beach. And after breakfast, Jesus gets into a conversation with Simon and Peter and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Which is work usually done by the youngest kid in the family. Then Jesus repeats the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he again repeats his definition of leading, take care of my sheep. And even a third time, then feed my sheep. Here's what I want to point to, friends, after that wind up. Every calling that Jesus gives to you or to me involves hard service, routine service, daily service. We try to get to the higher position so we can leave the drudge work behind. But here's what we often discover. Martin Luther once said that God uses ambition to impel us to office, by which he means once you get there to that higher position you've coveted, what do you discover? Oh, this is hard. If the problems get to this desk, it's because all the other people doing the work I used to do could not untie that knot. And this is largely unglamorous and long hours and mostly unthanked too. And it's in that crucible that God teaches us, feed those people, help those people. You're not here for you. You're here for them. And here on the lakeshore, Jesus is, in my mind, saying to Peter, Peter, you were my leader. You are my leader. The call's the same. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. But now, finally, you're ready to lead the way I intend for you to lead. You're ready to serve the way I mean for you to serve. You're ready to follow me the way I want you to follow me. And here's what that's going to look like. Let's be really honest. I tell you the truth, Peter. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself. You went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands, and others will, which means a position like this, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let Peter know by what kind of death he would glorify God. It was a reference to crucifixion, and sure enough, that's the way that Peter died. Then Jesus told him, follow me. In your call right now, are you, are you struggling with it? Is it asking more of you than you thought it would? Are you wondering, how did I get here? Why is this so hard? Where's God in all this? Does it feel like your hands are being stretched out and you're being taken where you didn't want to go? I know some of you are facing pressures at work that you did not know could be so heavy. Some of you are caring for loved ones, young, old, both at the same time, brothers, sisters, and you didn't know what that would fully mean, what that calling to love would mean. And I just want to affirm you tonight. It's probably this very hardship that says you're doing the right call in the right way. Every calling from Jesus means serving like him. Every calling from Jesus means sacrifice like his. 
But Jesus gives us good news. In any passage, I always ask, what's the good news here? And I think the good news is the final two words. Follow me. Now, if you and I are hiking up a trail, and it's a narrow trail, and you're going up in front of me, and you say, follow me, that means every time I reach a place, you've already been there. You know what it's like. You know when to turn around and say, watch that branch, watch your step, look at that rock, whatever, because it's sliding. So what, what, what Jesus is saying to Peter is, Peter, you're going to serve people in a hard and humble way, but I've done it before you, and I'll be there when you get there on the trail. You're actually going to lay down your life, just as I did, but I've been there before you, and so I'll be there when you get there. I will help you. The, the late, great Henry Nouwen uh, taught at Yale, then he taught at Harvard. He wrote dozens of books. He was invited to speak everywhere, all over the world. And even though he was in these elite circles of, of academia, as well as sort of popular culture, he was enormously uh, recognized popular. He admits this, quote, rather than providing an escape from my own inner conflicts, my scurrying from speaking engagement to speaking engagement only intensified my inner turmoil. So after a while, unhappy and unsure what to do, he left Harvard, where he had worked with some of the brightest minds in the world. And he went, ended up in Toronto at a community called Daybreak, which is a community for adults with disabilities. Many of them uh, intellectual disabilities. And he, he described his new uh, uh, friends and co-neighbors, really, that he was living with, most of whom cannot read, many of whom cannot care for themselves, men and women rejected by a world that values only the whole and the bright and the healthy. And he discovered this. What, will be, what was true for Peter will be true for us. Suffering is ahead a hard obedience. And we will be tempted to think we've chosen a wrong road. You know, that cannot be the call. But instead of, this is now, an, instead of being surprised by the pain, be surprised by the joy of obedience. Be surprised by the immense healing power that keeps bursting forth like springs from the depth of our pain. Be surprised by the little flower that shows its beauty in the midst of a barren desert. Friends, to live out the right call in the right way, Jesus tells us how. Feed my lambs, stretch out your hands, follow me. Amen.